This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 251 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Kentucky Performance Products. You can find them at kppusa.com and Horse Quencher. You can find them on the web at horsequencher.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hail or high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop This is Glenn the Geek <laughs> And this is Helena B And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show On the Horse Radio Network Well howdy Helena Good morning, how you doing Glenn? Okay, so you, this is the wrong time of year to get a cold by the way well, so. there's never a right time of year to get a cold. Well, that's true. That's when you have true. kids, it's all year long. So, yeah. Although sure. this, I got this cold from a grown-up who That'll acts like you. a kid. That'll <laughs> teach you. See, you should never leave the house. That's my theory. Never leave the house. All right. That'll work. So you went like on a road hour. trip and you got sick. I went on a road trip and I got sick, yes. Yeah. Uh, we, which we want to hear about that later in the show. Because you and haven't you been on in a couple of weeks, so welcome back, by the way. That's because I've been road tripping. Yeah, Jennifer's, uh, Jennifer's like, okay, if she, I'm not filling in again next week. So <laughs> she has to come back. So, um, uh, so I'm, we're glad you're back. Good, me too. And uh, we can get caught up on that a little bit later in the show. We have, uh, we have a couple of uh, neat guests coming up today. We have eventer Jessica, Jessica Heideman and her sister, uh, the dressage rider by the name of Garen Heideman. And they run the Cane Lake Stables together up in the Northwest. And we're going to talk to them about running a, a business together as sisters, running a horse stables. What's that like? Is there, you know, sibling rivalry? Is there bickering back and forth? Or do we all get along great? And it's absolutely wonderful. Or discipline rivalry. That's what I want to know. Ventures <laughs> and dressage riders. That's true. Although they'd uh, be able to help, well, Garen, the dressage rider, would be able to help the eventer. I don't know so much the other way around. Well, you know, adventures help other people lighten up. That's well, that's true. That's true. They keep things light. Yeah. So I'm assuming that Garen is not a DQ then, if that's the case. Right. <laughs> well, you know, if she's sisters with an eventer, she, they have to rub off on each other at some point. That's so. true. Well, but we'll find out, won't we? Yeah, we'll find out. And so I'm looking forward to that. That's a fun little segment that Horse Quencher put together for us. And we appreciate their help with that, too. And then later on in the show, we have an interview that uh, Jamie actually got in before she had her baby. Um, the host of the morning show and Jennifer and I had a chance to, after a, a lot of work by Jennifer to arrange this through Disney, uh, we got to talk to Bobby Lovegren, who is one of the top horse trainers and animal trainers for the movies in the world. He has done movies like Seabiscuit and Cowboys and Aliens and War Horse and uh, worked with Steven Spielberg and Daniel Craig and Harrison Ford. and, and Daniel Craig? Yeah, in uh, Cowboys and Aliens. Uh, Daniel Craig was in Cowboys and Aliens. Okay. Uh, so, Ant- Ant- uh, I can't say his name. Antonio Banderas. Antonio uh, Banderas. Yeah, oh, in the okay. uh, Zorro movies. And now he is worked, working on, or worked on, The Lone Ranger with Army Hammer and Johnny Depp, the one that's scheduled to come out next month, which, can't, which I'm dying to see. So he's, uh, he's going to be on with us a little bit later in the show. We did an interview, and you'll get to hear that here. So that's all coming up. And then we're going to hear about uh, your, your trip to Virginia. I, 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 haven't, I, I saw a couple <laughs> pictures, but that's about it. That's all I know. That's all I can say is, yes, Virginia Okay, now you know what? Here's my teaser. You want to move now? <laughs> I always want to move. I live in paradise for nine months out of the year, but because you know of January, February, and March, suddenly Virginia is the better paradise. Right. Um, here's my teaser. There is absolutely nothing like Southern hospitality. That is true. It is. It stands out among all other stereotypes. <laughs> it's awesome. 
And that's a fun stereotype. That's fun stereotype. That's correct. That's a fun stereotype. See, they work both ways. They work both ways. You don't want to throw the stereotype baby out with the stereotype bathwater. Well, let's, uh, let's get started right now with our first guests, and that's good. they're coming up right after this word from the Horse Radio Network. As I said, we have inventor Jessica Heidemann and dressage rider Garen Heidemann of Cane Lake Stables to talk about what it's like running a business together as sisters. Jen here, host of the Horse Tip Daily Show on the Horse Radio Network. The way consumers interact with the brands they have trusted for years and those they are about to fall in love with for the first time is becoming more and more mobile, literally, and will continue to do so for the foreseeable future. Podcasts or internet radio shows like this one combine the new consumer preference for on-demand information and entertainment with the power of niche market audiences. Advertising on the Horse Radio Network podcasts allows you to reach the equestrian consumer using today's preferred on-demand delivery system. It's cost-effective and flexible, able to reinforce your existing marketing and social media strategies. To learn more about advertising on this show or any of the shows on the Horse Radio Network, contact us at 859-951-2022 or you can email us at glenn at horseradionetwork.com. That's glenn with two N's at horseradionetwork.com. Come and join the Horse Radio Network family. You'll enjoy the ride. Well, hi, Jessica and Garrett. So thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. Well, let's take you one at a time so the listeners get used to your voices. Um, Let's start with Jessica. Now, you're an inventor and have been doing that for quite quite some time, haven't you? Yeah, I uh, started inventing when I was 14, and I'm 33 now. So quite some time, and and up to the four-star level, right? Yeah, I uh, competed at Rolex twice um, with my horse, French Twist, and... uh, had a couple of years with him at the four-star level. And you guys are from what part of the country? Uh, Washington State. Okay, so you you had to go quite a ways to get to uh, Rolex that year, those years. Yeah, we're almost up by Canada, so pretty much everything is far away. <laughs> yeah, even your you know, normal lower-level events, you don't have a whole lot up there, do you? Yeah, we have enough um, to sort of fill the season from June to September, but... Um, you know, just every other week, and and we don't have options between the events, but we have a really fantastic uh, event circuit, and everything's pretty much within three hours. There's a couple of exceptions. Well, that's not too bad. Yeah, that's not No, bad. it's not too bad. Now, you actually, you went to college and graduated with a degree in management information systems and then and, and, and got a job with that degree. For uh, or, Is that something that's still going on, or you did for a while? It is. I'm actually uh, headed there right now. Um, I work for Western Washington University maintaining their electronic medical record system. It was something that a job that I got right out of college a month after graduating, and it was supposed to be temporary. Um, That was back (laughs) in 2002. (laughs) So I've been there for 11 years now, and at this point, it's something that I really can't give up. It's something I enjoy doing in the mornings. I'm able to do it part-time. Um, I get a pension with it and full benefits, health care, and insurance. Um, no, pretty much at this point, you'd be an idiot to give that up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something that trainers don't often get. <laughs> Yeah. And it adds something to your life as a trainer. I think when you have when you're yeah. immersed in that business experience, you take everything that you learn about your job and you can apply it to your business in the horse world, which I think is really key for a successful for running a, a horse business successfully. You kind of you yeah, need that absolutely. influx of outside knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. You feel like it does help you? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Being able to, and even just being able to network with different people, you know, um, the health center that I work at, two of the doctors have horses and um, just, you know, learning about, they do uh, one breeds Hofflingers and the other breeds Belgians. And um, one uses the Hofflingers for sort of pleasure and fun and the Belgians 
Um, they have like an eight horse hitch that they drive at fairs and uh, just learning about different worlds, you know, through different experiences that way. Huh. Interesting. Now, let's talk to Garen. Garen, you're a dressage rider and have been doing it for about as long, right, as your sister? That's correct, yes. So were you a horsey family? Were your parents uh, into horses, or is this something that you two started? Not at all. (laughs) My sister was actually a horse-crazy kid. I actually was not, and our parents were always very into keeping us in activities and finding what our passion was going to be, and so every school year we'd have two activities that we'd do. My sister and I were also very big readers, and we went to the library all the time, and um, my sister wanted to ride from, I, I can't remember her ever not wanting to ride, but I wasn't as passionate about it, but I liked animals, and I read a book where they wrote, and so I decided I wanted to take riding lessons, and my sister was so mad because I said, <laughs> I want to ride horses, and she's like, you've never wanted to ride horses, I want to ride horses, and I got to start first. And uh, but and I was I was super afraid of horses when I first started riding them, but I liked them so much, and I really enjoyed being in the barn, and I really enjoyed grooming and caring for them, and um, the riding part just made me want to cry all the time. But I thought I still wanted to do it, so I kept trying, and then Jessica joined me, and the rest is history. So is that? Is that the reason that you took the dressage path and not the jump over big scary jumps at Rolex path? Um, that's a good question. I don't actually, you know, our very first riding instructor we ever had used to talk about dressage all the time. And I guess I was just a young, impressionable kid. And so that just never left my brain. I did leave dressage for a short time and did raining. And uh, I, I liked it, but dressage was definitely... If only they could put the sliding stop in at the end of the Grand Prix test. <laughs> exactly. It'd be a great shame. I mean, I think they need that. I really yeah. do. It's the spins. The spins are the fun ones. The spins are pretty fun, too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, now, um, how did you two end up then going into business together and starting uh, Cane Lake Stables? Well, we used to drive um, the boarding facility we were at. We used to drive by this piece of property every day on our way there and our mom loves to build things and (laughs) houses and this if she has a building project she's a happy lady and um so she drove we drove by this beautiful piece of property every day and um my mom I don't even remember do you remember Jessica how it came up that she said it the first time yeah, I mean, it was the the boarding facility that we were at. The owner was actually trying to sell it. And I think that might be what stuck it in my mom's head. The the care was a little bit inconsistent sort of during when she was trying to sell it. Yeah. And they were trying to get my mom, you know, on board to buy it. it. And it was definitely not something that any of us wanted to be a part of. But it was kind of, okay, what's next after this place that we've been at for years goes away you know we don't know what kind of um like if it's going to also be a dressage barn and because we both wrote dressage at that time and so we didn't know if they were you know going to be dressage people or western people or who was going to come in and yeah i don't fully remember how it's like oh let's let's build a barn this sounds like a good idea (laughs) (laughs) little did we know yeah, who cares if we don't know a thing about it? Let's just do it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's the off, pretty much. <laughs> That's how we all do it. <laughs> exactly. So now you're, you're, how long have you been in business together uh, with Cane Lake Stables? It will be 16 years in August. Ooh. Yeah. So it has been quite a while. What, what are the challenges of working with a, with a sibling? We'll start with Jessica. What are the challenges of, <laughs> of working with a sibling? Um, I guess maybe more so than a business partner is you can't keep things perfectly professional. So if, if we're mad at each other, you know, we still have to see each other on Thanksgiving and Christmas and something in Thanksgiving or Christmas might make us mad at each other that then is going to impact the barn. Um, but honestly, beyond that, we work really, really well together. 
Well, how do you there work? Aren't give, that us many challenges. give us an example of a typical day where you guys would be working side by side. So Garen lives at the barn and she is the queen of the barn. She manages all the employees and she manages the horses. Um, she makes sure she knows every horse inside and out. She knows what blankets they wear. She knows what the owners want for that horse. Um, I mean, our horses are extremely well taken care of. They get breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We have five different kinds of grain. We have three different kinds of hay. And she could close her eyes and stand. (laughs) I know. (laughs) She could close her eyes and stand next to one of the horses and be able to tell you, you know, if it's happy or sad or it hurts. Um, She knows the employees really well. She knows the employees' schedules. And she absolutely keeps the barn running. Um, I do the payroll, I do the books, I pay the taxes, um, you know, that computer aspect of it. (laughs) And then, and, and so that's how we sort of work the barn together. And then we both have our own training businesses that we very much keep separate from the barn. Um, and that we manage ourselves. Well, I know that I got to ask this question. I know a lot of uh, professional eventers who, you know, they all take individual dressage lessons from dressage riders and jumping lessons from dressage jumping riders. You know where I'm going with this. Um, the answer is no. We never help each other. It's <laughs> entirely true. You're helping me with true. Actually, Garen, Garen took a jumping lesson from me last week. Um, and how was that, Garen? <laughs> She's going to go to a horseshoe. She's going to go to an event this in two weeks. Oh, wow. We're very excited. Yes. Now, did she start you at uh, at four foot five or did she cut your break? <laughs> Actually, you want to hear my first back injury story? Yes. <laughs> we love so, hearing injury stories, don't we, Yelena? <laughs> uh, we do. I, I was jumping. Uh, she was letting me ride her Rolex horse. <laughs> and I was jumping. I don't know how. It all looks like seven feet to me. I can't tell the difference. <laughs> I think it was probably four foot. I think I kept yeah. cranking the fence up. I was having fun. <laughs> and we were all laughing and having a great time. Yeah. yeah. Until, I, uh, until I got quite a long spot and the fence was already quite big. And uh, I rode the ears for a while before... We realized there's no way I'm getting back in that saddle, and that was my first back injury. Oh, yeah! You practice neck yeah. riding, huh? I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and uh, uh, did you have you? And obviously, you have never forgiven her for that at this point. That's <laughs> open well, I still though. let her. I still let her set fences for me. So <laughs> yeah. obviously, I'm a slow learner. <laughs> it scares me a little bit. She likes to jump in her dressage saddle. She's a lot happier in it, and she'll take her dressage horses and. Do we shorten the stirrups at all in the dressage? No. Party? No. <laughs> oh, Garen, yeah. maybe that's maybe that's one of the issues we should talk about here. Yeah, that's right. It's her security blanket. It's it, it is. is. Yeah. Well, now, do you see yourself really wanting to get into eventing? Oh no! It's um, okay. just for fun. My uh, my dressage horse that I bred wants to event, and he's actually leased out to a fabulous lady who's eventing him. And um, I just asked her if I could do one event for the season just for fun. It's my horse that I bred and it's more about riding that horse than it is about doing the event. And it's fun to mix it up a little bit, you know. Exactly. It's fun. Yeah. I I really (laughs) enjoy the... Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. (laughs) I really enjoy the eventers, the eventing crowd. Um, I really love those people. Yeah, there's nobody that can party like eventers. Yeah, it's true. They're the best. It is. It's a very supportive group. I mean, it's not that to say that, you know, hunter jumper riders and dressage riders are not supportive, but yeah. you, you kind of, that's what's not sets. quite the event group. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, there's something about like fighting for your life over seven right. years. I think that's it. <laughs> it brings you together. So what else do you do together when you're not at the barn or do you go your separate ways? We sometimes see each other outside of the barn, but, uh, not much. Yeah, it's not that much, actually. But keep we, in mind, um, we see each other at the barn five days a week. Day. 
for six hours a day. And that's good. Um, You're good yeah. with that. <laughs> that's enough for a spouse, let alone a, a sister, you know? Well, and they have right. full-time jobs. Yeah. Well, you know, obviously. Yeah. But working the barn is a full-time job. But you, you, it's like, how do you, well, do you have free time at all? Do either of you have free time? <laughs> I know, that's fine. Uh, not really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I do a lot of, um, I like to ski and I like to hike and um, I like to mountain bike. And so I usually am doing something like that on the weekends. Um, wow, yeah. that's pretty impressive. Now, now, could you see yourself, you, your, yourselves working apart, doing a business separate, or has it become, you've been working together, it almost becomes a crutch, you know, you're so used to working with the other person and knowing what they're going to do, that it's it's become easy at this point, uh, easier. I feel like Garen, I feel like Garen could work without me, no problem, but I couldn't work without her. Well, that's not entirely true. I I don't have a business mind at all. And I um, the other day I hit my all-time mass low. I didn't know there was a lower than what I had previously done, but I did manage to add two and two together and come up with the number six. And so <laughs> I really need to not be in a business where I have to manage the books and things like that. There's, there's no way that the IRS would let me get away with it. That makes you equal to about, what, 90% of the other uh, people who run horse businesses, Alina? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was yeah. talking about. You need that influx of business, everyday business. Yes, stuff. exactly. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, before we let you go, I have to ask you, uh, the good people over at Horse Quencher helped set this interview up, and we appreciate that. Tell us about Horse Quencher and how you use it in your barn. Um, definitely when we travel. Uh, I keep the thing of Horse Quencher in the four-horse trailer, and um, you know, we just went to a... It, it's funny, because my horse has had it quite a bit now, um, since it's always with me, and he, we went to a dressage show just on Sunday and offered him some water and, and he was so excited and he shoved his nose in the bucket and he took one sip and it didn't have any horse quencher in it. <laughs> and he looked at me and he was like, what are you trying to give me? Plain water? And he did actually drink a bit, but um, I think he would have sucked the whole thing down if I had actually put the horse quencher <laughs> See, in. That's sort of like putting a lemonade in a flask for a fox hunter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Um, and then we just keep it on hand in the barn. You know, if anybody has bad tummy or, you know, hasn't been drinking real well, um, it's just nice to know that it's there. Um, bring it to the horse shows. I'm also the young rider coach um, for our area, Area 7, and uh, let the young riders know if the horses are having any trouble drinking or, you know, just on the showgrounds if anybody's having any trouble we got a horse in here yesterday at the farm that uh, came from a rescue situation, skinny as a rail, and when it got here was definitely dehydrated. Uh, and would just, you know, the owner said that, you know, the new owner said, this horse just isn't drinking, hasn't drank all day, was eating well, but hadn't drank all day. And, you know, I, we, did, we did the pinch test, and sure enough, was dehydrated. And Jennifer said, I got the perfect solution. It's this all-natural stuff called horse quencher. She went over, got the horse quencher, we put it in the bucket, and that horse drank five gallons right like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. And would not drink the water plain at all, all day. Sucked it up as soon as the horse quencher was in there. The stuff just really works. And, yeah. you know, we haven't had a horse that doesn't like it. Um, and we've definitely had situations, just like you described, where a horse comes into the barn new and doesn't drink and gets bad tummy and definitely wish that we had had something like that back then because it's pretty impossible to get them to drink. And it's hard to make that decision to have the vet out, to have them tubed. You know, it's such an invasive procedure. Well, wow. yeah. and they should keep, you should keep it around the barn, but you also, as you said, should make sure you just keep it in the trailer all the time because you know we take yeah. our we take our trail horse out and he will not drink when he goes away from the barn, and we've had a problem with that if you go out in four or five hour rides, and if you're trailing trailering there, he just wouldn't drink even after. But now with the horse quencher, he sucks it right up. So yeah, and a lot of times with them, it's nice when you're traveling if you can get them to drink that first time. You've primed them, and then they come to expect it. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, very good. Well, we then you can find out more information about that terrific product at horsequencher.com. Where can people find you guys? Uh, CaneLakeStables.com and uh, on Facebook as, as well. Um, we have a very active Facebook page that posts different things about the barn. Our barn really is a circus and is quite amusing to watch. We've got goats and dogs and a miniature horse and then all the competition horses and uh, lots of cats and lots of very fun and interesting clients as well. So Lots of characters. Yeah. <laughs> and I see Garen taking a jump here in a picture on their Facebook page. Oh. Obviously in the <laughs> jumping class. That's uh, Wilhelmina Fox Pit. <laughs> yes, Wilhelmina <laughs> Fox Pit, because let me tell you, this horse really wanted about a six-foot jump, and it was only about a two-foot jump and cleared it by at least three feet. So Yeah, uh, and yeah. that would be a massage horse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A little over-jumping there. <laughs> That's a cute picture, though. I think I'll use that one for the show notes today, actually. That would be great. <laughs> Very good. Uh, thank you so much, sisters, for joining us. We really appreciate it. It's Cane Lake Stables. That's Cane, C-A-I-N. Well, right after this week's Kentucky Performance Products Nutrition Minute, we are going to play an interview for you that uh, Jamie Jennings from The Morning Show and Jennifer and I did with Bobby Lovgren, who is one of the top trainers in the movie world. He trains horses and other animals, and it was a terrific interview. We hope you enjoy it here. Jennifer spent about six months getting this lined up. And, of course, he is also the horse trainer that did all of the what are going to be famous horses that you're going to see in the new Lone Ranger movie, which looks so exciting. And at the beginning of this, uh, at the beginning of this piece, I put the trailer for Lone Ranger just to get you excited. So here we go. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. Commercial feeds are fortified with nutrients such as proteins, vitamins, and minerals. They are made up of a variety of ingredients that provide a particular amount of energy. Most feeds have been designed to address the needs of a certain type of horse. It is important to understand that all feeds are formulated by nutritionists to be fed in specific amounts. When the correct amount of feed is provided, the horse consumes the appropriate amount of energy and nutrients. The feeding directions included on the feed bag or the feed tag are specific to the particular feed and should be followed. When you feed less than the recommended amount of feed, your horse is not getting the full complement of nutrients that he or she may need. On the other hand, too much of a good thing can also be bad. The overfeeding of concentrates can lead to grain overload and oversupplementation, and feed should never be cut or mixed with other fortified feeds or plain grains because this changes the nutrient profile and can cause imbalances in energy, protein, vitamins, and minerals. If you need to include additional supplements in your horse's diet, choose products that are formulated to complement, not compete with fortified feeds. If you feed a plain grain such as oats, additional fortification may be necessary. Kentucky Performance Products supplements are specifically designed to complement, not compete with the modern concentrates used by today's horse owners. Each supplement is manufactured to exacting standards in certified facilities using stringent quality control guidelines. So choose Kentucky Performance Products supplements because the horse that matters to you matters to them. Learn more about Kentucky Performance Products supplements at kppusa.com. That's kppusa.com. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Hereby deputize you a Texas Ranger. It's dance. To the outlaw. Make no mistake. Law and order has come to the West. It's a nice hat, by the way. 
Then another bigger one? <laughs> Come here, Anna. In the great beyond, a vision told me a great warrior would help me on my quest. One who has been to the other side and returned. All I know is that a man killed my brother. If we ride together, we ride for justice. Justice is what I seek. Let's do this. I'm looking for a man. He was in about a week ago. Take me over this. You find traitor. You find the man who killed your brother. I want to show you something. What could you buy with all that? A country, Captain. Who controls the railroad? The cavalry? Everything. Even these men represent the law. I'd rather be an outlaw. That is why you wear the mask. It was a ranger. Riding a white horse. Got some lunatic Indian with him. They coming for you. Scared, aren't you? You should be. Good morning, Bobby. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Jamie? Fantastic. It is an honor to talk to you because I am such a huge, huge fan of your work and your your standards for safety. Tell everybody, tell everybody what you do, because I, I, I'm trying to describe you on IMDb. They have you as a horse trainer, animal wrangler, horse master. Uh, I, I would consider you a horse whisperer. What do you consider yourself? <laughs> um, you know, really it's more, obviously I, I am a, a, an, an animal trainer basically, because I do try to do more than just horses, but you know, most of the time, uh, you know, in my expertise really is in the horses, but I would more class myself as an animal coordinator trainer. Um, you know, you get all of the different names, um, you know, horse master, and that when you go to different countries and um, places, they, you know, the job title is, um, is different than that, but it's all the same thing. So how does one get into this job that you have? Um, you know, anymore, it's a very difficult thing because, you know, the animal work has gone, uh, they, they, they just don't do uh, that much horse stuff anymore, you know, with Westerns, you know, had gone away and they only do a few a year. So it is very, very selective and very small, um, you know, and, and then also um, the majority of our work, you have to be in the union, the Teamsters Union Um to work as well, so you'd have to get into that, and then also it's difficult to find some way to learn and get the experience to go and work in this business. Yes, so I was wondering if you were accepting any interns, and I will be there in twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I get I get that so much, you know, and it's very difficult to to explain to people, you know, that really, you know, it's it, it, because of the union and stuff like that, you can't just have anyone be your intern. You have to first be, um, you know, basically in, 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 you know, in the business and have the experience and stuff. And then, and then you can be, you know, a person can be an assistant or, or right. however. Well, we're going to get to your to your movie that you're currently um, promoting right now, which is The Lone Ranger, which we have played the trailer for so many times on our show because it just looks and sounds so amazing. But I want to know, uh, you know I think so, yeah. yeah, back to how you get into this. How did you learn to train horses like this? I mean, some of the movies, of course, we've all seen. We've all seen War Horse, Cowboys and Aliens we've talked about, Seabiscuit, Zorro. I mean, one of the most fantastic black horses I've ever seen. I didn't know if he was an Andalusian or a Frisian, but oh, my God, what a horse. I mean, we've all seen these movies and the amazing thing. I mean, riding Zorro into somebody's bed and then jumping him out of the, the the window. I mean, just incredible stuff. How do you, 
learn to teach a horse stuff like this? You know, I was very lucky. I grew up, uh, you know, in South Africa, and we had one of the largest jumping and dressage um, bonds there. So I had, you know, I, I have a lot of different kind of horse uh, experience and background and stuff. And we did commercial and films there, and I got invited to come out here to the U.S., and I was lucky enough to work for and um, intern for uh, Glenn Randall Sr., who did, uh, you know, Ben Hearn, Trigger, and and also then I worked for his son, Corky Randall, who both have unfortunately passed away. Um, but, you know, Corky did all of the Black Stallions and all of those films. So I was just very lucky to be in the right place at the right time. And then, you know, it, it just, um, it's, it's a lot about also understanding how film works and stuff like that, um, you know, for our business. So basically what I'm hearing is it all goes back to the fundamentals. Ladies and gentlemen, do your dressage, get on a fence, start jumping some fences. It all goes back to basics of, of get on your horse and do some dressage is what it sounds like. Am I right? Oh, I, I, absolutely. You know, the good basics are always, you know, whenever you have a problem or there's something that you just don't understand or you and your horse don't understand, if you've got good basics, you can always go back and and recultivate everything and um, and get everything back. So let's talk a little bit about the Lone Ranger, because in the previews, it's just haunting and chilling to see uh, Silver up there rearing as he's kind of, I guess, from what I understand, he's, he was loose. And uh, tell us a little bit about the horse that we're going to meet when we go to see the Lone Ranger. Oh, he, you know, we were very lucky. He's a, he's a great horse. I was lucky enough to do some work with Silver um, a few years before we did the film. So, um, you know, it's, it's very difficult on, on a film like this using white horses. You know, a lot of times on different films, as in Zorro or War Horse, you can cheat a little bit because you can use makeup and, and um, color the horses. So you can bring a horse in that has a lot of experience and utilize that. Now, so when, as on the Lone Ranger, with white horses, you can't do that. You know, you cannot color them to be white. It just doesn't look good on screen. The color is not the same. It's more of a yellow. So so we, you really, really have to go and do your homework and do a lot of training. But Silver was, he has great personality, um, really, really interacted with our actors, with Army Hammer and, and Johnny Depp, did so much with them. Um, and, and he has a lot of personality that I think translates really, really well in the film. And I am very excited to see it. So uh, yeah. know, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. We've all seen those movies where the the gray horse, you know, goes galloping by and in one scene he's dapple, the next scene he's flea bitten, and the next scene he's kind of a mix of both. So uh, that's great that you, you can't really cheat on this one. Now tell us about the horse. What no, is he? It's, yeah. what, what is it? What he, is he? He's a... He, He's just a, he's a quarter horse, you know, um, he has a very pink skin and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I mean, um, you know, they're with that, you know, lots of high maintenance, you know, white horses, you've got to keep clean and you, they show every spot anyway, but, you know, lots of sunscreen for him, you know, cause he's very light sensitive and stuff like that and would sunburn a lot and, and stuff. So, uh, you know, a lot of it is, you know, white horses, a lot of hard work with them and stuff, but he, he is very special. Uh, you know, I think he's 10 or 11 this year. Um, and really a very patient, very patient horse. Um, and, and again, you know, uh, I think his biggest attribute, attribute was that he is very, very, patient and has a lot a lot of personality and you know in our business that is the biggest thing you know they have to look good on screen and they have to really um you know because we do things so many times over and over again you know they have to be patient so it sounds like he was a little bit of a diva needing sunscreen and <laughs> all sorts of baths and special treatments <laughs> Absolutely, and he sure knew it too. So no, he 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 is, and <laughs> and you know the more the more attention that he got, and the more people were around. Uh, he definitely, you know, I, I would say, you know, he he knew when we were going to work and when when we weren't. So uh, it was he was uh, he was really really good to work with. 
Do you have uh, any breed in particular that you find is easier to work with for some of the some of the tricks and some of the things they have to do, or is it individual personality? You know, it, it, it is very individual personality. It, it, it very much depends on what kind of film we're doing. But you always, you know, for me personally, I like the Frisians and Andalusians. Um, and who doesn't, know, by the way? A little bit, who doesn't? No, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, they have the look and the presence, and they just look so good on screen. You know, even if they don't do their job 100%, my goodness, they look so good that it, it kind of covers over sometimes. But, you know, any kind of film that you do, you need to have, no matter what breed you're using, you, we always have a lot of horses doing one job. And that's why, it, in that way, we can cover our safety aspects. We never have them tired. And each one does a different job and it has a different personality. Some are quieter for our actors. Some are a little more high-strung for action sequences. Um, so you have to be able to get all of the good things, you know, each each animal has his better qualities, and that is my job, is to recognize those qualities and bring that to the table and, you know, know which one, which horse is good for a particular sequence. Now, are, you know, there are a lot of different training methods, and I'm not asking you to give away your secrets here, but is it a positive uh, reinforcement? Is it uh, treat reinforcement? Can you tell us a little bit? That what you use? I, I I don't use I don't I do not I do not use treats I do use positive reinforcement um um and you know and they, them being creatures of habit I I just work a lot on finding what they're good at and bringing that out but you know working for food and treats you know when you work on a film set everyone's got an apple everyone's mm, got food and those true. things and it is very difficult and it is even though they are interacting with the the actors where in some scenes maybe the actor has to feed him an apple but that horse still has to pay attention to me as the trainer so if he's working for food he's not going to pay attention he's, to me he's going to yeah. pay attention to whoever's feeding he's him he's focusing and on one thing I lose my yeah. Faith. yeah. Right, yeah. right. So no matter what, I'm still in control. So even though he's doing something with the actor, I have to always have that control. Well, so I, I have to ask, you know, are you what you would consider a movie buff? Do you like going to the movies? And if so, what is your favorite movie? And if not, is it just a job and you don't really follow Hollywood all that much? You know, I, I actually don't follow Hollywood that much. I don't. I go see, you know, the special films and things like that. Um, but I, I really, I really don't. I enjoy the movie business because I enjoy working in it, being kind of creative. Um, and and you know, some of the difficult stuff that we do, it is really nice to be able to work with the directors and figure out how to do stuff. And that's what I enjoy most about my job. Is there one so, particular animal that yeah. you, uh, I know, you you did also, I noticed Jamie left this out of the credits, Racing Stripes, where you uh, worked with zebras and things. Is there is there an animal that uh, you worked with that you really, really liked and thought, wow, this is really cool? I, I, I did. I, Racing Stripes is actually one of my favorite films, training-wise, because, you know, I did not, I was not hired as the zebra trainer going in. I'd worked with the producers and, and that a lot on different films. So, you know, we, there were a few little issues with, and, and stuff. So they asked me to try and see what we could do. And it, it was really nice because it, well, I wasn't under pressure to actually make it happen. So it, it was very, very um, exhilarating having the zebra do all of that stuff loose because to my knowledge it had never been done you know outside and loose except you know they do do it in a circus which is contained but doing that outside was very rewarding to me so how how satisfying is it to sit back and kind of watch on the big screen the finished project of all these little these little details and nuances that only really you and the people around you that are filming it know about to sit there and watch it unfold on the big screen must be incredibly rewarding. 
It, it, it is, you know, and it's it's more rewarding, you know, just as on, on The Lone Ranger, you know, um, Gore Verbinski, our director, was so great to work with, and he was very appreciative of some of the difficult things we did. To me, that is, that is the most rewarding uh, of it. You know, obviously seeing it on the big screen is great, but, you know, when the people that you're working for um, are very happy with your work and, and, you know, they are the ones, you know, saying that to you, that, that I really, I appreciate that a lot. Now, one, so, I go ahead, to ask you, yeah, I wanted to ask you real quick, uh, you know, a typical movie like, and I think some people have, a, you know, we always wonder, a movie like the one that you just finished here that's going to be coming out very shortly how long will you be on set with the animals? Is it months? Is it weeks? Is it condensed down to days? You know, it, it, it's it's always um, well on, on the Lone Ranger. We we uh, had our pre production was for like three months, and then we filmed. Um, my goodness, I think for it ended up being about four months. Um, okay. But, you know, it's, it's not every day that you're on there. It's broken broken up uh, according to the schedule and things like that. And and that's why, you know, if we are on set for a very long time, therein we have, the, uh, you know, the, a lot of uh, the horses playing silver so that, you know, if one's, uh, one's working a lot, you go switch him out, he goes to the trailer, you know, he has his food, his water there and everything. So it's very much keeping them relaxed and happy, um, because you might work early in the morning and then only late at night again that you have to be there all day. So it's it's managing their, them and also teaching them, you know, um, to be ready to work at any point, but having them in a good environment. Yeah, well, well you know, and I think, too, you know, we, we work in a medium and radio where everything has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it's done in order. Movies are not filmed that way, which is hard concept for us to get our mind around. Uh, absolutely, you know. I mean, and that and that is what uh, what my biggest um, challenge is. A lot of times, is that you might train for something in particular on a certain day, but because of the weather, because of the light, they might not do that at all, and you have to go and film something completely different that you're unprepared for. So, and that is those circumstances is what you really have to do in our in your pre-production is train for those situations, um, and y- your horses have to be ready to be able to go and do a different different thing. And those are the ones you know, just as in silver, being very patient um, and not worrying about those things. That's what benefits and helps that a lot. Mm. I think it's great that they must see you coming in and you're such a professional and you've been around this business for so long that the old adage of don't work with kids and animals does not apply to you. I mean, you get the job done. And just like you're talking with the zebra, you were able to make somebody else's animals do cool stuff. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, look, the biggest thing is, you know, film business, it's always a team effort. um, And it's really not about me or anything because you know if my part works but i can't make it work with the the electrics the grips the camera people it's no good so it always has to work as a team effort and and you know it is truly for me and our business it's more about communication with all of the other people than it is the training um so uh, again it's it's not just you know, my job is just a small part of a big, big puzzle. Um, so I have to be aware of what the other people need to do to get the film done as well. And that way, if if it works in with my horses, or work it in with my horses, and that that allows that job to be easier. Now, Bobby, I, I, before we let you go here, I feel like you and I, we know each other now, and we're really good friends. <laughs> And I feel like I could I could bring this to the table. I mean, you've worked with celebrities. Let me just go through the list of Johnny Depp, Julie Roberts. These are just uh, just the skim of the top. Uh, Toby Maguire, Harrison Ford, Daniel Craig, whew, uh, <laughs> Catherine Zeta Jones, Antonio Banderas. You've worked with all of these celebrities. Now nobody's listening to this part. Okay, you can be honest with me. Um, who? are your favorites and who are your least favorites you've worked with? 
Just you um, and me. You know, I can definitely tell you, I can definitely <laughs> tell you, Johnny and Army Hammer on this film were awesome, awesome to work with. Um, I'd love to work with them again, and hopefully, you know, the Lone Ranger goes big and we do many more of them. Um, they were very, very easy to work with. Um, you know, Antonio and them were, you know, on the Zorros was very good. I very, very rarely have any kind of an issue with with an actor or an actress, you know, because they are depending on me as well to look good. Um, and it's um, And a lot of times they... Working with animals is a stress relief for them, and it gets them away from their real job of really acting. So we spend a lot of time away from work, riding, doing prep for everything. So it's I very rarely just you know I have a problem. So I can't say I have a least. Um, I, I bet I must you know again I must say the two that we just did Lone Ranger with were awesome. Cool. See, politically correct answer. The current ones are the best. I mean, I wanted some drama, Bobby. Come on. Somebody who didn't tip a waitress. Somebody who, you know, like, had... <laughs> that's what I was looking for. And you're just not good. He's good. Yeah, he's, he's good. good, Glenn. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Bobby. This has been absolutely terrific. We really appreciate you joining us today. And we can't wait for the movie to come out. Oh, well, I, I really hope you guys enjoy it. And it's been a pleasure talking with you. Well, that was fun, but now we want to hear about a road trip. So where did you go? Why did you go? And what happened? Well, um, as part of my uh, business venture with Chasing a Fox, uh, the Chasing a Fox team went down to Virginia for the Virginia Foxhound Show, which is a really big deal down there. It's, um, it's held in Leesburg, Virginia. Well, it was held in Leesburg, Virginia at Morven Park. Now, I'd never been to hunt country down there. Um, well, I'd been through it, but I'd never actually gone to stay. So this was my first, first go around in Middleburg and in Leesburg. And we stayed in the plains. Oh my God. Oh my God. And oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) There's a reason the Chronicle of the Horse is located right there. Yeah, it is absolutely a beautiful part of the United States. It is, I, I, I just, I think that the U.S. is so well represented in this particular area or our country. It just, it has everything, um, but most notably wide open fields and rolling hills and, you know, welcoming woods and everything that, you know, a horse lover could possibly want, including, you know, a, a fair driving distance to the nation's capital or not even just nation's capital, but, you know, other suburban towns. So you have all this open space, but you don't feel like you're isolated out in the middle of the country nowhere. Yeah, it's not actually, what is it, an hour and a half and you're in downtown D.C., I think, from there. Downtown D.C., but, yeah. you know, there's there are there's Manassas and a couple of other towns, suburban towns that are um, really, you know, within very easy commuting distance. So uh, we stayed at a friend's farm in the Plains, um, which was about a mile and a half south of Middleburg Center, which is absolutely adorable. Now, that's, sp- so that's like a quaint little town, isn't it? It is yeah. so charming. Yeah. It is really, really charming. And um, they have a little grocery store there and plenty of restaurants, really good places to eat, and, of course, amazing places to shop. We did visit the Middleburg Tack Exchange, which is like the, the queen of consignment owns Middleburg Tack Exchange. Her name is Joe, J-O, Joe Motion. How cool is that? Her name is Joe Motion? Her name is Joe Motion, yep. (laughs) Yeah, and she's a very smart English woman who knows her tack um, and knows her business. And that's a consignment? Uh, Yeah, yeah. They have a few new things, but it's primarily consignment. And there is, I'm telling you, if you need it, they have it. Did you shop? (sighs) No. (laughs) Well, it depends on how you define shop. <laughs> I looked and touched. <laughs> I looked and touched. Um, but Sissy actually had a couple of things to consign. Some fox oh, hunting okay. accoutrements that she had doubles of. So she left some things um, on consignment there. And the place was jam-packed. Jam-packed. And everybody was smiling. Of course, um, the Masters of Foxhound Association, the MFHA, was holding a whipper-in seminar that weekend. So there were, the town was just full of fox hunters. And you went uh, down for what again? The Virginia Foxhound Show. Okay. 
Gotcha. Big Hound Show. You'll have to tell us and what that what that was like too, because I don't think I've ever been to one of those. Um, you know, it's funny because we were so busy chatting everybody up and meeting all these Southerners <laughs> that I barely got to watch any of the hounds. But um, what I do say is, I didn't get, I didn't focus too much on what they were doing in the show ring for the hounds, but I looked more at hound types and confirmation and learned about. I learned a lot about their nutrition, their care, and how how what they chase, what their, their quarry is, and what their territory is like determines their care, their feeding, their nutrition, their confirmation, their um, intellect even. It was one of the most fascinating weekends I had in terms of conversation with uh, huntsmen and kennelmen. Now, so what do they do? The the different hunts uh, bring a certain number of hounds with them, and yes, yeah. and they they put them in the ring, and I think they're judged on all kinds of things from um, from coat color and confirmation to um, obedience to voice. I'm going outside the scope of my knowledge here, but there's a whole host of things that they're they're judged on, okay. um, and it's a really big deal to the people who care for these hounds. It's not just about running them, you know, um, they all have a job to do, but there's a lot more that goes into, to, to breeding and to working and to showing them. And it's very rewarding for the people who care for them. And, you know, we think, you know, foxhounds, you, you think, uh, you know, or hounds, they probably had more than just foxhounds there, but we always think about them, you know, their quarry is foxes, but there's all different kinds of hounds with different quarries. There are different kinds of hounds. At this particular show, it was just foxhounds. Yeah. Um, there are different subtypes of foxhounds, which I know a few of them, but I can't wait to go back again next year and find out a lot more. The um, But there are different kinds. Like there were rough-coated foxhounds. There were um, crossbreds. There are Ming- Eng- English foxhounds, American foxhounds, Dell, Penn, Mary Dells. Um, so they were... Several different kinds. <laughs> mm. I couldn't tell you which was which, except the rough coated. Um, and there was, and we also got to see um, there was a special reception at the Museum of Hounds and Hunting at Morven Park, which I would absolutely recommend if you've ever been on the back of a horse following hounds. You have to go to the Museum of Hounds and Hunting. The artwork there is phenomenal, and they have all kinds of accoutrements like you know huntsmen's horns and. Historic photographs, which are crazy amazing. I mean, they really bring the history of fox hunting in America to life. So I would definitely recommend it. Cool. Yeah. And the cool. people. Oh, my God. The people are so nice. We met MFHs from like dozens of hunts. And we got invitations to go and ride out with everybody. Like sincere invitations. Come stay. Bring your horse. We'll put your horse up. We'll put you up. We'll feed you. Come hunt with us. Um how fun would it be just to have the time and money just to go from hunt to hunt when you, you know, as a bucket list thing, you know, that's when... a whole nother show, man. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think we didn't talk about that on the ride home. <laughs> we were trying to finagle ways to get back down there and start hunting. Now, I, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. It was just amazing. There's so much that I learned. And, and the nice and part it, about that is if you can finagle your way to do that, um, you don't even have to bring your own horse along because they'll, you know, they all have horses they can let you use. And it, uh, they're very accommodating to guests that way. They really are. They, yeah. they really, really are. And the territory is so inviting. It's, you know, you, you drive down any road in this part of the country and you just look to the left, or you look to the right and you're like, that's a great place for a gallop or, Oh, I could take that stone wall. <laughs> And yeah. I don't jump. <laughs> yeah. You're looking at like they four have a little more walls, space like, oh, than you're that. used to up uh, in the North Shore of Boston. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and it was cool. Usually, um, for the Hound Show, it's really hot down there. Uh, but this this year, it was like 73 degrees under crystal clear blue skies. It was a really happy happy day. And we met a lot of um, we met Norman Fine from Fox Hunting Life. We met um, a lot of people just who whose names and and websites and faces you hear, but you don't actually get to meet them in person. So it was really nice to put a, a real person with some of the legends. We got to meet Melvin Poe, who is something north of 94 years old and still hunting his own small pack. He's a legendary huntsman in Virginia. Um, Jim Meads, we hung out with Jim Meads, who is a freaking riot. 
Now who's he's he? got to be. He's got to be in his late eighties. I don't. I don't want to insult him. <laughs> he's younger. He's probably sixty. No, no, no. He's <laughs> he's definitely up there. He is known as the running photographer. He has hunted. Sorry, he has photographed over five hundred hunts oh, in wow. his lifetime. So he really has done that bucket thing we were just talking about. Yes, he has. He's a legendary photographer, uh, sportsman's photographer, and has photographed the Queen and you know and the whole royal family and all that. Wow. Yeah, really cool guy. This makes you want to get on the horse and go hunting again, doesn't it? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, how many packs are, how many hunts are down there in, in that area? Gosh, a, a dozens. Lot? Yeah, okay. Dozens and dozens. And then there's, you know, there's a lot of what they call farmer's packs, which are just unrecognized hunts, um, unrecognized by the MFHA. And then I also learned there's something called rogue hunts. Ooh. <laughs> I what know, do they do? Do they steal like chickens along the way and stuff? No, no, no. Oh. It's like these. It's like these these outlaw or outlaw hunts. They they branch off from like a recognized hunt because there's you know there's some political stuff that goes on, and then they start their own hunt. Do they or, wear like purple to just be different? Um, I don't know. I only just learned that they exist. So I gotta. That's gonna be part of my mission. I want to dig into these rogue hunts and find out what they're all little about. Little armbands on. And- I know. They probably drink rum instead of port. Yeah, that's right. They drink yeah. rum. And they carry a gallon flask instead of a little tiny one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a gallon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we were, um, I just, I have to, I have to say that the, um, there was one, well, there were, there were three hunts. There was the Loudon hunt and then the Loudon West and the Fairfax hunt. So Loudon West and Fairfax hunt have recently merged. And, um, we spent time with both of them and I, I have to say, um, Oh, and the folks from the Caroline hunt, which is a little further South. So, so amazing in what they were willing to share about their knowledge and their warmth and hospitality are just a really great bunch of people and organizations. So thanks to all you guys for making us feel so welcome. You've been living in the north. You've been living in New England way too long. <laughs> no, you're not kidding. That's what somebody else said. You had a good time just because you were, you know, you left the Northeast. <laughs> you actually went where as... people talk to each other. I know. They're like, these people weren't really nice. They were just not Yankees. Yeah, that's right. They were just weren't mean. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't cutting you off the road, giving you the finger. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. I know. Poor Helena. We need to get you out more. <laughs> It's coming. Because everybody lives in the South is going, isn't this the way it is normally? It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. I'm glad you had such a good time. Yeah. Well, go to uh, Chasing a Fox on Facebook, and um, we're going to be posting some pictures from our adventures there. So it's just Chasing a Fox. Just search for that on Facebook? Yep. Chasing a Fox. We're the, pretty much the only one that pops up. All right. Very good. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. I'm so glad you had a good time with that. We did. We did. Thank you. Well, that's it for this week, everybody. We're going to be back again next week with another show for you. Thank you so much for joining us. Good to have Helena back here. Uh, we also, from everybody at Stable Scoop, want to congratulate Jamie for her new baby. Uh, she's now on maternity leave, and I wanted to mention that uh, Helena will be filling in on Wednesdays for Jamie over at Horses in the Morning, helping us with the EquityMFG.com Wheel of Trivia. So you're going to be a trivia master on Wednesdays, and we appreciate you helping out. That can either go really, really well or really, really wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, either way, it'll be funny. It'll be funny. That's right. That's our job, is to make things funny, so... That, so we want everybody to call in, too, if you, if you want to join us, if you want a chance to win one of hundreds of dollars worth of prizes that we have on the wheel every week, you can give us a call at 347-637-3238 on Wednesday mornings at 9.05 a.m. Eastern Time. And you'll be on the Horses in the Morning show with Helena and I, and you can play along. So we hope that, uh, we hope that you do that. Helena would love to give away all the prizes. Although we were joking on Monday, Jennifer and I on the show, about whether you were going to be tougher than Jamie or easier. And we determined that if it's a kid, that's it. Helena's just going to give away the store. Nuh-uh. <laughs> Nuh-uh. Kids need to be challenged. <laughs> oh, maybe no. she'll be tougher. Maybe we were wrong. We thought you'd be a pushover. We'll find out. 
You will. Jennifer is the one that comes up with the questions, though, so it's really up to her. She's the one that comes up with those questions. I'll tell you what, recently she's come up with hard questions and our listeners have been getting them. Yeah, so. she throws a couple of... Uh, she throws a couple of tough ones in there. I know, but they've been getting them. It's like, my gosh, we have smart listeners. <laughs> well, then Jennifer, just she just ups her game then. At that yeah, point. she's going to have to. I tell you yeah. what, I think everyone that played last week won. So Ooh. there's a challenge. All right, well, that's it, everybody. We'll talk to you again next week. This is the part where you say you could find you Oh, right. So long you forgot. Right. No, I just, I, I, I don't know. I thought it sounded like such a nice wrap-up. Okay, three, two, one. Until then... Happy scooping.